Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. This morning, we are blessed to, uh, uh, and, and when, when you get a phone call from a pastor who says he, he has the flu, uh, you wonder who's going to be speaking on Sunday morning, and I'm very glad to say uh, this morning we're, uh, uh, Charlie Carroll will be uh, bringing us a message. So, uh, Charlie, thank you for being a part of both of our worship services this morning, uh, and thank you for leading our, our word. Thank you, Charlie. Hey, y'all. Excuse me. You know, I'm in first service, okay? And I love my praise band. I mean, I do. I love my praise band. They're wonderful. But wow. Hey, you guys do well. Thank y'all so much. That was really, really I, you know, they, uh, it is that I, Lord. The first time I heard that was like 1973 or something like that. I took a group of high school athletes to, uh, uh, where was it? Uh, Denver, Colorado, the Air Force Academy. We had, uh, and they, they, that was our song. That was, what, that was a deal then. And, hear y'all do that that was that was cool hey i am i'm charlie carroll and uh you know i uh i don't know you guys much or a bunch of you I, I go to first service my family and i do uh long time member of this church we've been coming here since 1985 86 something like that and it's a it's a pleasure to be here this morning um, i want to welcome the scouts hey, i appreciate you guys coming in and uh I have a great admiration and appreciation for what you guys do and, and your, your adult leaders. They, are, they do a great job. And I appreciate you guys do the volunteer work that you do and, and help us out, help them out, and all the things that you do. It's really good. I had a little deal first session. I, I paid a little homage to uh, Michael Bailey. Uh, when I first came here in 1985, um, um, I, uh, I was a head football coach here. And... Uh, I came in, and uh, it's my first head job. I'd been an assistant coach for a long time. It's the first time I'd been head coach. And, you know, I had all these plans and ideas about what I was going to do, but when I got here, none of them were working. And, uh, you know, I just didn't know what to do. I was in a mess. I was trying to get things organized and everything like this and trying to get practices organized and coaching kids and getting all the stuff together. And and this uh, young man walks up to me and says, Hi, Coach Carroll. My name's Michael Bailey, and I'm your equipment manager. And, I'm going to put everything where it needs to be, and I'll have it where you need it, when you need it, exactly the way you need it, and you don't have to worry about anything else. And for three years, it was exactly like that. He did an amazing job, and then he left, and I was up the creek again. I didn't have. Uh, and then Michael went on and, uh, you know, joined the Army and served our country, and uh, now he's a police officer, and, and I tell you what, you can be proud of your dad. Um, if there's anyone who epitomizes the idea of serve and protect, it's, it's Officer Bailey. I just, you know, he's an amazing young man, and I, I appreciate everything he's done. Um, so I, I'm sitting at the house Friday afternoons, 1 o'clock, all right, and uh, get a phone call. And um, I'm sitting there trying to figure out exactly what excuse I can come up with for not having come to church today. I had already made some plans about some other things I wanted to do, and I just, 
you know, one of those days, how it gets you sometimes, you just don't feel like you want to come to church, and yeah, you, know, you got a you know, good movie to watch or something. So I was just looking at something else I could do, and the phone rings, I looked at the caller ID, and it's Pastor Chris. So I answered the phone, and I'm going I'm to tell you the phone conversation, you know, verbatim, all right? This is, this is, what, this is what transpired. Pastor Chris, what's going on? He said, hey, Charlie, how you doing? I said, well, I'm doing all right. How about you? Not so good. I'm pretty sick. Really? Yeah, I got the flu. Oh, man, that's a bummer. That's too bad. He says, yeah. He says, listen, and I, I'm pretty sure this is going to kind of continue on through the weekend, and I'm really kind of worried about my Sunday. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And, um, hey, listen, I need you to help out a little bit. I go, Yeah. He says, yeah, if you would. He says, you know, I got together with the staff, and, you know, we were trying to think of somebody that could give the message. And, you know, I, I just, you know, just wondering, Charlie, if maybe you could. And, you know, I just jumped right in because, man, you know, I, I never met a microphone I didn't like. And, uh, man, it's, you know, sounded like a pretty good deal to me. You know, I hadn't been able to talk to a group of people that was a captive audience in a long time. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I say, well, yeah, hey, I'd, I'd be honored, Pastor Chris. I'd be honored. I'd love to talk to the people. And Chris kind of hesitates, and he goes, um, oh, well, uh, gee, I, um, well, yeah, I, I guess that'll work. Um and it's about that time I realized what he was looking for was for me to recommend somebody <laughs> that might come in and speak. But he had already committed, and he said, yeah, we can do that. You, you don't mind? I said, no, not at all. I, and so here I am. And I apologize to you. I really do. Right off the bat, I'm just going to tell you, I'm sorry. Because you could have had, I mean, in this church, we have biblical scholars. I mean, I've done this a time or two, and it's intimidating. I mean, it's tough standing up here trying to talk to you people about God when, you know, you got people that sit there with 14 Bibles sitting in their lap. <laughs> and while you're talking, every time you say something, they open it up, go looking at this and say, oh, no. And then they shake their head going, what are you talking about? So, you know, it's a... And so what you ended up with, instead of a biblical scholar, was you just ended up with some old, cruddy, old, fat, retired, offensive line football coach. That's all you got. Now, my wife, Debbie, you know, you know her. She's the donut Nazi over there. And uh, <laughs> she... Uh, she, you know, she asked me, she, I told her, I said, you know, Deb, uh, Pastor Chris called, and uh, I'm going to be giving a message Sunday. And she says, well, you know, wh what are you going to talk about? And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, just talk. And she said, well, you want me on the phone? You know, I can Google. I can find you some ser sermons, you know. And I said, oh, I can't do a sermon. I can't, I can't memorize my name, much less a sermon. So I'll just, I'll just talk to them a little bit and uh, see what comes about. And, and that's what I like to do this morning is I'll, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my faith journey. Okay, just 
just where I am, who I am, and why I'm where I am. And, uh, and if you don't mind, uh, I learned a long time ago as a school teacher, you know, it's kind of hard to hit a moving target. So if you, you know, if you walk around a lot, it's hard for people to go to sleep. And if you raise your voice every once in a while, it kind of wakes them up. And so if you don't mind, this is what I do. And I'm not going to stand up there. I've always felt like the person who stands up there kind of assumes a mantle of authority. And the one thing I am not is an authority on, on God or how to live. And so I'm not about to do that. Now, unlike a lot of you, um, we were not church when we grew up. I didn't go to church as a kid. Didn't go. We might go on Easter, maybe Christmas every once in a while. Now, Mama wanted to. Mama, Mama wanted to go to church, but my daddy wasn't going to church. You know, daddy worked six days a week, and on Sunday he's going to take those bird dogs out, and we're going to bird hunt. And if, if my daddy wasn't going to church, I wasn't going to church. And if I wasn't going to church, my little sister wasn't going to go, and so it was just left to Mama. And we didn't go. And so I don't have a church foundation like a lot of you guys. So we kind of fast forward a little bit, and um, I, got a, I got a job. I got my first coaching job in a place called Plainview, Texas. And so I go to Plainview, and uh, it's a long, long way. I, I grew up north of Fort Worth, a little place called Eagle Mountain, Saginaw, Boswell area. And so you know, it was a long way out to Plainview, and I, I head out there, and I don't know anybody. It's the first time into doing something like that. And, so the head coach, head coach is a guy named Bill Davis, wonderful man, great coach, just good human being. And um, Coach Davis would invite the coaches over to his house on Sunday afternoon and try to build a little team unity and all that kind of stuff. And, and we're sitting around talking and drinking Dr. Peppers. And, you know, it's uh, we're good coaches, okay? And uh, – so we're sitting there drinking those Dr. Peppers and coaches doing what coaches do best. We're telling lots of lies to each other. And Coach says, uh, Coach Davis is expounding on his philosophy of life and his philosophy of coaching. And so after a little while, I asked him, I said, Coach Davis, I said, uh, I'm going to be a football coach forever. I said, I'm, I'm going to be a head football coach someday. I said, what, what clue can you give me? What are some tips that you can give me you know, so I don't ever get fired. I don't want to get fired. What can I do? And he says, well, he said, Charlie says, i tell you what. First thing you need to do is when you get to be a head coach and you move into a town, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to find out where the superintendent goes to church. And I kind of looked at him. I said, where the superintendent goes to church? And he said, yeah. I said, it's awful hard to fire the guy that sits in the pew in front of you every Sunday morning. So if you'll just go to church with him, you might be able to stick around a little while. So, you know, I thought about that and uh, kind of came to me a little bit later on. So we kind of fast forward a little bit. And um, I, I go to the Army for a couple years. I coached Plainview one year, went to the Army for a couple years. And when I was in the Army, I, I you know, especially in basic training. And, you know, any of you guys been in the Army? You know, basic training, we went to church. So I'd do anything to get out of that barracks. I mean anything to get out of that barracks. I'll even go to church. It, you know, I'll sit and listen to somebody talk to me for 30 minutes besides that drill sergeant. I'll promise you. 
But that was it. They didn't go, you know, once I got out of basic, we didn't go. Um, in the Army for two years, and I got a job at Lufkin Middle School. I was the uh, head football coach, head football ninth grade coach at Lufkin Middle School. And uh, I said, Lufkin Middle School. I met the most wonderful young lady. I met the most beautiful woman I've ever met. She was breathtaking. Stole my heart. Stole my heart. She wouldn't have anything to do with me, and I married Debbie instead. And, uh, and if I want her to know I said that, I'll tell her, okay? <laughs> now, Debbie and I got married in March 1972. And I told her, I said, Deb, I love you with all my heart and soul, soul girl, but you need to understand, I'm going to be a football coach. I mean, that's all I've ever wanted to be. That's all I'm ever going to be. I can't be anything else. I'm going to be a football coach. And I'm probably not going to be a very good football coach, so we're going to live in some small towns. And she said, well, that's great. I don't mind small towns. She said, I grew up in a small town. Now, I mean, she's from Philadelphia. She lived in Houston. I mean, she was in Corpus Christi. I mean, what small town did she ever live in? So I, Debbie, well, what, what small town did you live in, girl? I mean, where? And she said, well, Charlie, I went to school in Bay City. Now, Bay City is a town down around Houston out there, about 30,000 people, all right? I moved her to Honey Grove, all right, the sweetest town in Texas. Honey Grove had 1,202 people in there. And two of them were us. That was it. But we loved Honey Grove. I mean, we loved it. I was, I was football coach there. I was a first assistant, head coach, defensive coordinator. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? That would have been pretty good, but there weren't but three of us. They were, you know, we had three coaches. The head coach, the assistant head coach in charge of defense, and the assistant head coach in charge of the kicking game, and nobody else. And we're out there one day, and we're coaching, and I'm, I'm coaching. And I, and when I coach, I coach hard, you know, and it's intense, and it's sweating, and it's hot. It's August. We're in two-a-days. We're out there in pads. We're getting after it. And I look up, taking a deep breath, and kind of hitch up my old shorts, you know, like coaches do, and get that old whistle going, spit a little bit, and look up, and there's a man standing over on the other side of the field in a three-piece suit. That's never good. Because there's only two types of people that come to a football practice in August in a three-piece suit. Well, one of those is a lawyer, all right? And he's investigating you because some parent is suing you because I grabbed that kid's face mask and jerked him over here. Now, I would never do, never did that, but I might have, you know, put my hands on his shoulder as I moved or it's an executive from the University Interscholastic League that's there to investigate us because we've broken a rule. Now, you know, we may have bent a bunch of rules, but we never broke more than six or seven of those suckers ever. So, you know, I'm a little bit concerned as to who this man is watching my practice. So I, I go over to him. 
And I said, hello, sir, how are you doing? He says, fine, how are you? I said, uh, good. said, uh, my name's Charlie Carroll. I'm one of the coaches here. And he says, well, he said, my name's Tom Prentice, and I'm the new pastor at the Presbyterian Church. I said, well, Reverend Prentice, it's great to meet you, sir. Well, good to meet you, Coach Carroll. And so we visited a little bit, and the conversation, he finds out that I'm married, and he asked me, you have a church home? And I said, no, we're not really church people. And he said, well, that's good. He says, you know, don't have to go to church to be good. It helps, but you don't have to go. And I said, well, I understand. So we're talking a little bit. And um, I said, well, you know, I appreciate you being out here, but why are you here? It's kind of hot. And he told me, he says, well, you, you got a couple of my kids out there that play. You know, go to church with me. And I said, oh, that's good. He said, plus, he said, I, I, I love football. You know, I, I really enjoy it. Love athletics, love kids. So as a matter of fact, when I was in seminary down in San Antonio, I said, I, I, I film football games. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, I film football games. Now, you, you, you know what a coincidence is? Uh, it's, it's when God acts anonymously, you know. And by coincidence, the guy who filmed our football games had just retired. I mean, we're looking for a filmer. <laughs> God put him right there in front of me in a three-piece suit. And I said, well, Reverend Prentice, just so happens we need a filmer. He said, you know, I, I, I can't pay you much, but boy, we'd love to have you. And Tom, Tom looks at me and he says, well, Coach Carroll, so we might do that. He said, tell you what, Coach Carroll said, uh, you, we'll make a deal here. He said, if you and your family come to church Sunday, I'll film for you Friday night. But if you don't come to church Sunday, I ain't filming Friday night. And Tom Prentice led me to God. You know what they talk about? You know, it used to be a Nike commercial where they'd advertise about running, they advertise shoes. They said, you know, the first part of any run, the hardest part of any run is that first step. That's, first, that's absolutely right. And the hardest part of a faith journey is that first step. Taking that first step and stepping out there in the unknown, that place where you hadn't been before where it's a little scary, Stepping out into that thing, that's hard. But Tom, it's just amazing what he did. And Tom taught me what it was to be a, a man, what it was to be a father, a husband, to be a godly man, to be a man of God. You know what that is? A man of God? To have God inside you in your heart and your soul, to be thankful of God in everything you do? That was amazing. Debbie and I went to that little old church, and the church was a lot like this one. A lot like this one used to be. We didn't have about 35, 40 people come to service. But it had stained glass windows and the same steel. It was a beautiful church. Loved that church. And so we, uh, we went to that church for about six years. And then, you know, life goes on. You know, Tom moved off, took another church, and I got another job. They, they finally found out how bad a football coach I was there, and they, I moved on to another job before they could fire me. That's a secret of never getting fired. 
You move off right before they get ready to fire you, and you just, you know, you always got a job. So we went on, and now when, you, when you're as bad a football coach as I was, you have to move a lot. Or you can't stay anywhere very long. So, you know, Debbie and I, we were there at uh, Honey Grove, and we left Honey Grove and went to Gonzales, and we coached there a little while. I think it was about eight months. And then we went to Olney and coached there a little while, and we went to Weatherford, and then we went to Greenville. And then, and we didn't, we didn't go to church. We, you know, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, you know. I mean, you got kids, gosh, it's hard. You got to get that dang kid up and get him dressed. And back then, you know, you wore a coat and tie. I hated coat and tie. It just, you know, it wasn't worth it. I mean, I worked six days a week. I worked hard. Sunday morning's the only time I got free. And, man, you know, there's a lot of good John Wayne movies on Sunday mornings. I mean, I got things to do. I can go to church. And so I was assistant coach all this time, and so I finally decided it's time for this old man to be a head football coach. All right? I, it's time. I, I mean, I know everything there is to know about football, and I'm ready. So I apply for a job here in Roy City. And... You know, glory be, for some unknown reason or other, they hire me as a, as a head football coach. All right? And so I come in, and, you know, they didn't tell me that they had, they had offered the job to five other coaches, and they had all turned it down before they finally got to me on the list. And so, you know, they, they give me the job. and You know, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm at school one day, and it's during the summer, and I've been around here for about three weeks. And we're sitting in the teacher's lounge. And in the teacher's lounge there, there's a couple teacher's aides and a couple teachers, and we're all sitting there, and they're talking. And one of these ladies who's a teacher's aide gets to talking about church and you know what they were doing at church and all this kind of stuff, all right? And all of a sudden, I thought back what Coach Davidson said, you know. First thing you got to do, Charlie, you're a head football coach. Find out where that superintendent goes to church. And so I, you know, I said, all right. You know, I said, excuse me. She said, you, you, you go to church? She said, yes, I do. Said, and she turned, looked at me and said, do you go to church? I said, well, no, ma'am, not really. We're kind of looking for a church home. She says, well, that'd be good. I said, yes, ma'am. Do you know by any chance where the, where the superintendent goes to church? And she said, well, the superintendent is Bill Ford. And uh, he goes to the uh, First United Methodist Church of Roy City. Now, that may not be the last time Weta Bailey ever told me a fib, but it was the first time Weta ever lied to me. Because you see, Mr. Ford, the superintendent, was a card-carrying Baptist. He wasn't going to come to the Methodist church. So Sunday morning, I, I get all dressed up, and we lived in a house. It's right down Josephine here. And I get, I get Debbie all dressed up, and she doesn't want to come to church. And I get those kids dressed up, and they certainly don't want to come to church. And we come walking in that door right there, right there. And we walk in that door. I came home. I mean, I... 
I walked into my home right here. I walked into my family. Sitting right about here with, you know, Jim and Hazel Cavnish. Back over here, you know, was Weta and Tittles, Tittles Bumpus. Bill and Mary, it's just, I, I came home. And they hugged my neck and loved me. And, and we've been here ever since. Now, there are times I didn't come to church. You know, sometimes you just wake up Sunday morning, just don't feel like it. I mean, you know, Lord have mercy. I've been to church six times in a row. What's one time? I can miss today. You know, I've got six check marks on my calendar. God has given me six pluses. I'm good for one, one day, right? I can skip one day. And so, hey, you know, and next Sunday, you know, I hurt my back. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm good. And the third Sunday, well, I, you know, I hadn't been there in two weeks now. I've kind of forgotten about it. And, by the fourth Sunday gets there, I don't want to I feel guilty. They'll all make fun of me for not being there. And before long, it's three months, and I haven't been to church. But you know, when I didn't go to church, those times when I wasn't churched, there was an emptiness. I don't know, it's just there's something wrong. There's something missing in my life when I'm not here. There's a hole in the middle of my heart when I don't come to church. And nature abhors a hole. Will not allow a vacuum to take place. Nature is going to fill it up with something. I mean, when you get a hole inside you, you're going to fill it up. And you're going to find something. You're going to find your shovel, and you're going to dig in that dirt, and you're going to fill that hole up. Now, I don't know what you're going to put in there. Now, some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's alcohol. Some people, it's sex. I don't know. Now, you know, I was a good person. I didn't go into that kind of stuff. I didn't. But I filled my whole, I filled my whole my family. I did. I, you know, I love my family, and I feel I, I spent I spent more time with them, and and I feel my whole work. I love my work. Golly, I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed teaching. It was good being a teacher. I love coaching. Golly, you know, I I'd have paid those people to let me coach, and there were some of the people around here who said I should have. I mean, it was it was fun. I had a great time, and I'd try to feel, I'd try to feel that, I hope that, you know, but it was still something missing, something was wrong, something wasn't right. And until you feel like I hope, because everything else is going to fail you, you know, your friends are going to fail you, drugs will fail you, because you can't ever get enough of them, you always got to have some more, booze won't take care of it, you know, you got to have more booze, you say, how much is enough, you just got to keep more of it. It's going to fail you. Friends, family fails you. Your work, just, God never fails you. Never. 
You know, people would tell me, yeah, I just couldn't see God, couldn't feel God. It's not his fault you didn't see him. He's her. He's always here. He's always looking for you. He's always trying to get you to take him in. If you can't feel him, it's your fault. You just got to open yourself up and take it. It's there. You know, I spent, I spent 35 years coaching football, right? 35 years. And all I wanted to do was I wanted to make my kids better. That's all I wanted to do. I want to make my kids better. I wanted, so I studied them. I studied football. I studied volleyball, basketball, track, tennis, golf, everything I could think of, trying to figure out what is it that makes one football player a good football player, and the other guy just mediocre. What, what, what's the difference? What is it? Now, hey, first thing out of the box is athletic ability, right? I mean, if you're not a good athlete, you're not going to be a real good athlete. That's just simple, all right? And there are some people, God gave some people tremendous ability, and he gave the rest of us crap, all right? I mean, he just did. It's what God did to us. Okay, but, you know, I wanted to take the kid who wasn't real good, and I wanted to make him better, and I wanted to see what it was. And I found there was one thing that I could teach a kid that would make him better. One thing. All right? Now, you'd never guess. It's his stance. Because you check, you watch a football player, a linebacker, right here, right there. His feet. Shoulder width apart, knees over the feet, go out over the toes. Don't go way out, don't go way in. Out over the toes, butt down, eyes up, chest up, hands in front, right there. How does it, how's an infielder get ready for the ball? Right here. How's a basketball player playing defense? How does he get ready? Right here. How's a volleyball player get ready to receive a serve? Right here. How does a tennis player get ready to receive a serve? He's here. Even a stinking golfer, the least athletic thing of all, he's right here. That's where they get. And there's a reason for that because you got to have a base. You got to have something to stand on. You got to have balance. You got you got to be able to make that first. If you can't make that first step, you're not ever going to be any good. You got to make that first step because you got to react here, and you can't take a big step. You can't overstride because now you're overextending. And the ball comes, you can't get to it. You're off balance. You're not where you need to be. You can't get where you need to be. You can't make the play if you're not in a good stance and you can't take that first step. It's all about base. What you're standing on. What's your base? What's your foundation? What are you standing on? What are you relying on that's going to make you better? If you built that house on sand, it's going to fail. God said Peter was a rock, and on this rock, I'll build my church. And there you are because that's your stance. That's your base. That's where you are. And when you're here, you're okay. And when God sends life at you, and that life comes up and hits you right in the face, and hits you right in the stinking mouth, and he hits you with everything you got, you can stand there. And he may knock you back, 
But you know that when you fall back, you still got your stance. And he may knock you back again. And when you take that backward step, you're still in stance. And you're still balanced. And you're still where you need to be. And when he knocks you flat on your butt, you jump up again because you know where that base is. And you know where that stance is. And you know where you need to be. And you can get there because you know that God is right there with you. And your base, your stance is God. And you're where you need to be. And, God, and life can't beat you down. It can't. You can, you can get up every stinking time. There will be times you think you can't. And I've been so fortunate in my life. You know, there haven't been a lot of bad things. Some of you guys have been in some situations, you know, where it's just, it's just horrific. But if God is with you, you can crawl back up out of that hole and you can climb back up on that base and you can get that stance and you can take him on one more time. When I first started with Tom Prentice, Tom made us do a deal where we sat down and we wrote a list of words that we wanted to describe us. He talked about them being roles. What's your role in life? We all have different roles. You know, you're a father, you're a lawyer, you're a teacher, you're a husband. What are your roles in life? What is it that you want? When you die, what is it you want said about you? What is it you want there? And we set those things down, and periodically through my life, what I've done is I've gone back and looked at that list, and I've revised it. And number one on my list has always been I'm a father. I love my kids. I love my children. I'm a father. I apologize to my wife all the time, but she comes in number two. I'm sorry. I'm a husband. Always have been, always will be. I am dedicated, committed to being a husband. Not a real good one, but I'm a husband. And here lately I've become a grandfather, and that's top on my list. And those of you who come to first service, you know how I feel about my three grandkids that sit right there with me. Now, when that list is finally made, I'm hoping that Christian is right in there close. I wish it were number one, and there are times in my life when I strive to make it number one, but it's never made it there. But it doesn't mean I quit trying. I believe in my base, and I believe that God will fill that hole within me. Thank you all very much. I apologize for talking so long, but sometimes I get carried away.